Hello, I'm Scott, the CEO of Comio, and you're listening to Agency of Change. I'm joined by my co-host, Head of Strategy at Comio, Brock Fisher. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you with us. Agency of Change is a podcast that aims to showcase excellence and best practice in residential real estate in Australia. So today, it gives me great pleasure to uh, have a chat with Tamika Smith from Key2 Property in South Launceston. Welcome, Tamika. Thank you. It's good to be here. You've been in business now for a little over five years, as I understand it. Do you want to kind of talk us through the key to property story? Yeah, absolutely. So we've just actually had our sixth birthday. Um, Congratulations. Which, which is great. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we started obviously six years ago, um, three local agents, didn't really know much about each other, went into business together. Um, Ananda and Kate do sales, I do property management. So essentially we're two businesses combined working as one um, and the reason that we set that up is obviously people will have heard me say I'm a big believer of um, property management businesses get left behind if there's not a working principle in the property management side so that was really important for us here at Key2 that we had a, a working director in property management and both styles so that both parts of our business were equally as important for our team clients customers so um, that's sort of how we started and we've really just gone strength from strength. We, um, funnily enough, we're just setting our budget late for next year and um, we were looking at our very first budget from where we'd come from to where we are now and our projections at six years were that we would have about 200 properties under management and, um, and as of today we've got 758 and now have two offices and a team of 24. So we, we were having um, a very childish giggle about how stupid and naive we were when we when we set that in our projections you know we thought we were actually aiming probably a little bit too high but um here we are <laughs> so that that's an amazing kind of variation in terms of where you thought you'd go why do you reckon you've done that well compared to where you'd set your sights because you guys and your forecasting are obviously estimating on you know a belief that you're pretty good at what you do and and so on how have you done that much better than what you thought you'd do um, look, I think there's a lot of reasons why we've done that. I think the, the 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 crux of it, though, is that we really manage our business around what we didn't like as employees, and I think that's a big thing. So you know, our culture and our, our, our culture is amazing, and our staff turnover is really low, and and really our philosophy of um, quality over quantity. So we're not an agency that just lists 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 whatever rubbish comes into our office. Like we're really selective and. And, and that is a niche in our marketplace. So it's attracted all of the right kind of people and our referral rates now 84% of new business is, is repeat referral business. So um, that, that's why I believe we've grown as rapidly as what we, we have, yeah. Amazing. I'm really impressed that finally someone has exceeded a projection. So <laughs> like, like tripled it down. Now, um, Tamika, we want to talk about a lot of different things, um, but I think, I guess one of the things that I've always been like particularly impressed about uh, in your business is your great big booming fees. So can you just talk us through your average fee uh, at Key2 Property and also, I guess, how that relates to your marketplace generally? Absolutely. So I hope you're all sitting down. Our average management fee in our business is 10.5% plus GST. Um, and our average rent at the moment in our office is 470 a week. So that's great. Um, you know, also higher than what our projections were. Um, 
comparatively to others in our in our marketplace, the average management fee is about eight percent. So, and and also average rents are a lot lower. So average rents across the board here are around four hundred dollars a week. So, we're we're up higher on average rent, and we're we're also well exceeding average management fees. So before we start to talk about the value proposition stuff, can I also ask a secondary qualifying question there around, are you also charging for other stuff or is your management fee higher because it's like an all-inclusive fee? No, so we've also got a few other fees in there. We charge a 2.75-week letting fee, so almost three weeks rent to lease the property. Um, We also charge a $285 fee for marketing and then we have a $100 fee for your end of financial statement at the end of the year and $10 a month admin fee. So there's a lot going on. Let's get into the real nuts and bolts of going out and selling that to customers because I guess, you know, to really briefly and poorly paraphrase the challenges of the industry, everyone goes out to try and get their fee and they go, hey, we're better than the other person. We'll communicate with you better. And, you know, clients tend to not believe that or buy that um you know otherwise people go hey our statements look really nice or our inspection reports are great like how do you actually go out and go hey yep you could pay eight percent down the road but pay me heaps more uh please like how do you get people over the line on that yeah so look we're in a really fortunate position at the moment like i said over 80 percent of our business is repeat referrals so we we don't even talk fees you know that that's a non-starter essentially Um, but we're also really fortunate that that our business is in the position that it's in, that we don't need to take every listing either. So essentially the sell is with us, Brock, is you want to have to work with us. We, we don't want to necessarily have to work with you. You need to work with us. So we're actually putting it back onto um, our, our potential landlords of, yes, we would like to work with you, so here's the opportunity for you to work with us and this is what it's going to cost. And we, we don't enter into dropping fees or multiple landlords getting a sliding scale, anything like that. You know, it's it's a privilege to work with us and, and I truly believe that. And that's that's the buy-in we want from our clients, that that they they have to work with us. As you were growing towards this, because I think there's, there's a risk that someone could hear this and think, yeah, that's all well and good when you've got 700 properties and so on. Did you sort of do this from the start or did you start off um, taking hits on price here or there or whatever, and then only start to kind of um, put this floor around your pricing once you had a bit of scale? So I've actually done it from day one. So from from my very first listing and, and, you know, in the first month of business, I I signed 36 new clients and and obviously clients that have been mine for over 15 years, essentially, you know, they they become friends and family and and they follow you along. Um, but from day one, it's been like that. And and the reason that it has been like that is we're not prepared to lower our service, you know, and that has got us to where we are today and why we have so many lovely pieces of shiny glass. Um, but we, we just, we do not want to lower our service for anybody. Um, and Launceston's a really small place. So if you, you start doing it for one, you've got to do it for all. Um, and that's just not something that I believe in. I believe you pay for good service. So can, can I dive into that a bit with you then? Because um, one of the things that we often hear and, and you see if you kind of watch the chats that happen around fees on forums and stuff like that, is you see a comment often around, you know, pay peanuts, get monkeys, get what you pay for, these sorts of things. Our observation though is that, granted, in some cases that's true, but you can still pay a lot of money to some and get nothing for it. And there's still some businesses out there that do a good job but are very aggressive on fees for their own reasons. 
what do you do to sort of separate yourself from the pack? Like what are the standards that you set for your team or what's the difference that your customer would experience when they do business with you? Absolutely. So a few points of difference that we've got here is we work in teams in our office. So the biggest pet hate of landlords, and, and that's me inclusive, is you never know who your down property manager is. So um, landlords in, in our business have got three points of call. They've got myself at director level. We have then generate office manager level, and then they have a senior property manager, um, be it who it is. You know, obviously people move um, real estate companies or they don't like it, or in our case, we were an office full of females, so we're going to have babies. Um, so, so we've really structured it for our landlords that they've got security, um, that they know I'm not going anywhere to I retire, and that's a long way away. Um, so they want that peace of mind of knowing that they're covered the whole way in, in their whole journey, that, that that's what they're getting. Um, we've got complete consistency across the board. So each one of our team members can sit in anybody's chair and everybody does the same. So it doesn't matter what portfolio you're in, you're getting the same service from our whole entire team. And we're always reviewing that and always refining it and making it better and, and you know, full buy-in from our team, which is great. Um, and I think a, a real clincher for our landlords is, um, our team are, are on a, a profit share with us, essentially. So we want the buy-in from our staff. So when they get to certain milestones within our business, they have opportunities to become um, profit shareholders of our business. Five years of being a senior here, then you're eligible to become an associate director if that's what you choose. And, and once they've been here for 10 years, then we want them to potentially become business partners. So we're looking at the long term here and and we want that consistency for our landlords like that that's key it, it's so important so in terms of structure to make it do you find you've kind of got to a point now where your team kind of is accountable for their own performance like you don't have to um, monitor that and coach that as a director that there's kind of that pure accountability piece Absolutely. So now that our seniors are moving into that, that profit share agreement, it's amazing how quickly the mentality changes of I can only do this once upon a time to now what's next? What more can we be doing? How can we improve our service? I haven't spoken to that client for a little while, so I'm going to touch base with them. So, um, you know, the, the growth is there for, for everyone in our team to continue to deliver that exceptional service. They're also really KPI driven as well. So even though they manage individual portfolios, they actually manage the whole business. And that's that's a really good objective to have is that our team is not just responsible for their 80 properties or 90 or whatever they manage. They're actually responsible for the whole 750 properties. So they will help each other on each other's portfolio. There's none of that inter-office competition um, it's all about the collective. Um, and yeah, each week we have KPIs. Yes, they're, they're pretty basic KPIs in our office. I'm not a big believer in having ridiculous KPIs, but it, it's more the compliance KPIs that we're looking at as a business to making sure that we're keeping our properties compliant and, and we're doing the things that we've promised we're going to do. Now, we had a chat about six months ago, and I kind of listened back to that uh, a little while back, and I, I picked up on something that was lost on me the first time through, but I made an observation that you were very deliberately using the language of, of client and customer as opposed to owner and tenant or landlord or anything like that. Have I, uh, have I picked up on that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I really, really dislike the term landlord and tenant. Um, I, I, it's, it's revolting and it's nearly foul language in this office. 
Um, because essentially, if you don't have tenants, you don't have a business. Um, and, and it just gets so lost in our industry. And in particular, I see it um, through younger people, um, you know, oh, they're just a tenant. Well, you know what, they're actually not. And in our business at the moment, we've got 32 tenants who are also landlords. So they're not just tenants, they're our customers or they're our clients. Um, and that's, that's something that filters through the whole office. And same with vendors and, and purchasers. They're not, they're not vendors and purchasers, they're customers and clients. They're our business. So does that language flow through to the conversations your property management team would have with your clients? Would they refer to the tenant as customer? Yep. There, there is not communication that goes out here to our our, our landlords saying, oh, your tenant, um, It's we actually address them by name. We, we, we use names like because they're people. Kind of interesting. We've been talking a lot lately about the, the rise of the build to rent kind of segment and watching that come across from the US and elsewhere. And it's fascinating the more you look at that model, just how, in inverted commas, tenant-centric the whole thing is. And they treat people like guests at a hotel, like all of the amenities and the service proposition and the service standards they set. I'm curious as to what that's going to mean for the Australian market, the more that, in inverted commas, tenants see how that can be done and then look at what they're getting, in many cases, from the typical real estate experience and just how much more demanding people are going to become as they start to see options like that. I guess from your point of view, what advice would you have for people that haven't made that kind of shift in terms of how to get there and become more um, customer-centric rather than landlord or tenant-focused? At the end of the day, it's a decision you've got to make. Um, and, and until you actually make the decision that you're going to do that, you're really going to struggle with it, I believe. Um, your tenants keep you employed, not essentially your landlords. Like, of course, you need your landlords because you need the properties, but you need your tenants and you need to nurture them and support them because have a think about it. You know, if you're moving house, it's one of the most stressful times of your life, right? And and in this market in particular, we've got 117 vacant properties on the market and 378 registered tenants looking. So, there's 200 odd tenants that are really, really stressed at the moment because where are they going to live? So um, it, it's with our office, you know, it's we're helping educate those people. We're, we're treating them like a, like a customer because we, we're trying to help them. We're trying to build their applications. We're trying to find suitable homes off market for them. Um, we, we, you know, we, we're doing potentially more for them than we're actually doing for our clients who are our landlords because... We, we need to help those people. It's the ethically right thing to do, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the industry doesn't see it like that. You know, we just want someone to move in as quick as possible and, you know, the 30 people that missed out, they'll be right, they'll find something. Well, those 30 people I feel like we're responsible for and that they're our customers. That That's who we need to help get into homes, whether it be today or in 12 months. And, you know, if you look at places like our Google reviews, most of our Google reviews are from potential tenants that we've actually never leased to wow but we've assisted them in not necessarily getting a house with us but getting a house with someone else through the education that we're giving them and the support and you know sometimes if we've got really great customers looking for a house we'll put in calls to other agencies to try and help you know fast track it for them or get them to the top of the list so it it's not a short sharp transit transition with us 
speaking of not short and sharp, one of the things you do which blows my mind is this idea that your staff are not talking to customers for their first 12 months in the role. Can you tell us a bit about that? Like, how do you bring that to life? How important is that to you? Uh, and do you think that plays a significant role in having such low staff turnover, which we know plagues the industry more broadly? Absolutely. So um, staff development is just so important to me. And, and it's really important because in all my time of being in the industry, you sort of go it alone in property management. Your staff come and go, management come and go, and, and property management takes a back seat. And you know, in one agency I worked at, we had a 14 staff turnover in a month. So, you know, the, the poor staff that were left, you know, felt like they were going to die. Um, and I, I don't ever want my team to feel like that. So I don't ever want to throw them into a situation that they can't, can't they're not, not that they can't handle, but they're not equipped to handle. Um, so, yeah, for the first 12 months, there's just really very minimal contact with our clients. It's lots of listening. It's lots of learning. Um, it's lots of learning. The, it's really learning the back end first so that when you do come to speak to someone, you're really confident and you know what you're talking about. And if you don't, you know how to, to deal with parking that conversation, getting the information you need and going back to it. And if it gets to a point where you've got to park it and you can't deal with it, well, then I'm all over it. So I you know, sit in the property management room with our team. I don't have my own office anywhere in the building. I sit smack bang in the middle so I can hear all conversations. Um, I'm there for them 24-7. So if anything gets a little bit tricky, I'll deal with it and they'll sit with me and they'll listen and learn. And, and that's how we teach here. It, it's it's on-the-job practical learning so that, you know, I don't ever have a, a team member feel like they can't cope and then go, okay, you know, property management's not for me, I'm out of here. So for your first eight weeks where your new team member isn't kind of doing any customer contact of any kind at all um, and they're going through that learning process, what sort of structure or allocation do you have within your team to kind of maximize that peer learning opportunity like is there a defined program where people know whose responsibility it is to teach your newcomer a particular thing or is it a little more kind of uh dynamic and and fluid yeah so it's really structured we've actually just uh, we've employed another staff member who's about to start um in a couple of weeks because we always like to have that pipeline going through so that internal promotion is really important for us um and it's really structured. So our office manager, Jen, she takes them essentially under her wing for the first eight weeks. Um, and they're not, not client-facing at all during that time. And in that time, they're really learning our systems. So learning Trello, um, Property Tree, Locked On, Inspect, everything that we use so that they've got a full understanding of how we work. Um, they're learning all of the policies and procedures. That's really the first week thing. It's, information overload um, but it gives um, it gives new team members a real understanding of what our business is about and that's the really important thing and that sets the culture theme right that that you know people understand what we're about and, and that's what we want to support from day one um, and then yeah it's a really pretty intense eight-week period of just cramming so much information and then slowly over the following weeks they're they're given a, a bit more responsibility here and there. So it might be one day working on reception with the support of someone, never left alone, never left alone until until they're comfortable and we're comfortable. And that's a discussion we have every month at our monthly meetings. 
Um, and so it might, yeah, done reception, a, a day out doing routines, a day out learning viewings. And until that staff member can confidently say to, to Jenna or, or one of the seniors, I'm good with this now, and then the final check is me. So if, you know, they're good with doing a job, then I'll go and sit with them and make sure that that it is. It's right. It's the key to way. And then we sign off and and then we start the next process. So each job is a, it's really a process of elimination until they feel comfortable doing it. Can I ask something? So um, this idea that uh, as people sort of settling into the role, they're, you know, doing leasing and working on reception, doing all those things. Do you think that gives them a, a kind of stronger sense of teamwork because they actually understand what the people around them are kind of doing and wrestling with day to day? My observation I've made in the past is that, you know, if I haven't done reception, it's pretty easy to judge a receptionist if I feel like they've done the wrong thing. Or if I haven't done leasing, I can complain. Why isn't my property leased? Like, how important is that to your team? That's so important. And, and you know, we make it really clear that the first job is reception and that's 12 months. You've got to do a 12 month stint on reception, but reception in our office is not just answering the phone and greeting clients. Um, the reception, I feel, is actually the most important part of our business because everything hinges on that first interaction. And if we get that wrong, we're in all sorts of trouble. So, um, yeah, as, as part of reception, obviously you're learning how to answer the phones and, and greet people when they come into the office, but you're also supporting the property management team in, in things like processing applications and having days out slowly learning what it's all about um, and our receptionist is never left alone really there's always someone working with them so that they've got that sense of of community in our office you know, lots of times you see receptionists are parked out the front of the building and they don't see anyone for their eight hour shift um, it's not like that here you know, they're really part of the whole team and there's lots of interactions so that they never feel that they're just there I guess the other thing I really like about that strategy, and I'm sure it's, you know, a deliberate strategy as well, is how that will help down the track with battling that age-old issue of call reluctance or call avoidance. You know, I think it's such a challenge in the industry more broadly to just pick up the phone and sort something out or to, I guess, know how to take and diffuse a call um, as opposed to kind of escalate it. So. Have you found that that's, um, that's really helped your team in terms of their confidence on the phone? And do they, is the phone their first instinct as opposed to cracking out 20 emails instead? Yeah, so, so we have a rule in our office, Brock, um, and it's a conversation and then it's a confirmation. So if you, are, if you are not having a conversation with someone before you're sending an email, you're in trouble um, because that's not what we're about here. So we're about building relationships, okay? So all of our seniors um, at the moment know all of their clients on some form of personal level, okay? We don't want to be best friends with them, but but we need to have that, that connection to them so that when we need them to do something, they'll do it. And, and there's that mutual respect there. So um, our, our team spend a lot of time on the phone. It's very noisy in the property management room. We've all got our headphones in. Um, but it is conversation, then confirmation. Um, it's just, it is just so important. And that's, again, why I think we get so much repeat referral business because, you know, we're, we're friends with them in, 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 a, in a roundabout sort of way. Can I ask then, so let's, let's kind of build on this a little bit because all of that feeds into growth, which is super important and clearly something you do well. In a market like Tassie, 
obviously not not the largest market. Is there a natural ceiling to your business's ability to grow? And and if there is, do you have ambition to expand outside of Tasmania or do you think you'll just kind of play exactly where you are and where you're really strong already? Yeah, so I don't know that we'll ever expand outside of Tassie. Um, you know, we never thought that we'd actually expand out of our, our office here in Lonnie, but um, in February we had the opportunity to purchase an office in Deloraine, which is 35 minutes from us in, in the um, Meander Valley region, and that's now up and running beautifully. And so I wouldn't say that we're not opposed to expanding around Tasmania, but when it's right, um, I don't... I believe if you rush into things and you force things, they're going to go wrong. Our ambition was never to be the biggest, not at all. Um, My history was working for one of the biggest and I I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, But we're we're on our way to being one of the bigger players here now. You know, um, we're a large agency, which really sort of shocks me. Um, but it's been it's been a slow and calculated growth, I suppose. So we've been able to do it and still maintain the level of service at 750 properties to what we had when we were 100. So, yeah, you know, it's calculated risk, which which is important. So to talk a bit more about the referral, you mentioned before, I think the number was 84% of your business um, is referred business. Can we just break that apart a little bit more? So I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't, just mean, hey, the sales department is throwing you a bunch of leads. Um, you mentioned current tenants being uh, owners as well, which I think is always a powerful tool. But are you getting referrals generally from tenants full stop, like whether they have a property or not? Are they just referring friends and family to? Yeah, so where our referrals come from, so there's a bit of a mix. Um, obviously, our sales department, there's referrals coming in from there. Not as many as we'd like at the moment in this market. There's not many investors that can get into it. Um, well, just investors can't, can't buy at the moment, um, which, which is tricky. So, um, yeah, sales is a lot of it. Um, our current clients is a big one. So our, our landlords are big referrers or they've got properties with other agencies and I'm not one to push when you sign up one property with me and they say, oh, I've got a property here and here. I'm not going to push them. You know, I'm going to prove to them that they need to have their business here and, and that's that's really important. So um, current clients bringing on other properties or buying more stock or referring their family and friends. Um, we've got a big network here in Lonnie, so there's a lot that comes through the non, non-for-profit work that we do, a lot of referrals in from there. Obviously, our, our tenants are a big referrer and also our trades are. Our trades are a huge referrer. Every one of our tradespeople that we work with at the moment has investment properties managed by our company. Um, and they they all refer to us, which which is fabulous. So to talk about the owners of the properties, like are they literally getting to the point where they're ringing you up and going, hey, Tamika, you need to take this one on? Or are you like through your normal contact going, hey, have you got any others that you'd like us to manage? You know, so that's a question I ask at listing time. Like as, as soon as I list them, I'm like, is this it? Is this all you've got or have you got others? You know, because I want to know that. And, and, and they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I've got another one, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them for now. I'm like, great, perfect. In 12 months' time, you're not going to be. So let's talk about it then. And, and then I, I actually flag it for 12 months' time. And during that 12 months, whoever is their primary contact knows that they've got other properties, all right? So you can't bugger it up because we could lose this one, but we want to gain more. Um, and then at that 12-month anniversary of them being with us, I give them a call. Okay, I've obviously talked to them during the year at, at different points of time, but but there's a specific call at 12 months' time of happy anniversary being partners with us. 
because that's what they are. They're not just a, a client or a customer. They're, they're a partner. You know, we're, we're invested in this. Um, so now that we've shown that we're great and you're going to confirm that we're great, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. You've been great. Your business is great. Zali's great or, or whoever's great. Okay, now's the time to move that property across. Let, let's get that going. Oh, absolutely. Okay, no worries. Um, but sometimes it will happen before that. You know, they'll they'll see what our routine inspections look like and the, the level of detail that we're putting into them or or our entry reports or, or whatever it might be. Even just our, our weekly statement, the information that we cram into that, they're not getting from others. So people crave information. So give it to them in a, in a really non-intrusive way so everyone looks at their rental statement, don't they? So put all that information in there. Um, and then, you know, they, they probably seven out of 10 times they will call us before we have to call them. So you mentioned you're not pro- not-for-profit work uh, a, a couple of minutes back. Can you talk us through what you're doing in that space and, and what you're seeing out of that? Yeah, so we do um, lots in the non-for-profit space. It's really important to us. Um, we have a project, we have three projects essentially around all of Tasmania. So we are statewide for these few projects that we work with. Um, one of the projects is with the City Mission. We we look after their properties that they rent to lower socioeconomic clientele. So people that are not eligible for housing, but people that can't afford our marketplace. Um, and we work on a break-even cost with them. We don't make any money out of it. We, we just do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, so that's great. And that's really good as well for our team to, to get a really holistic image of what the big world looks like out there. You know, we're not just dealing with people paying $500 a week. We're paying, we're working with people that are paying $80 a week and that's tough. So, and, and it's a whole different kind of clientele. So City Mission's a big one with us. Um, we work with a company, Unify Design, and they build um, particular properties for people on the NDI scheme with, with disabilities. So custom-built houses for particular clients. And so we manage them. Again, break-even cost, there's no money in it for us, um, but it's it's a really, it's a good thing to do. And so then again, we're dealing with a whole different marketplace as well. We're dealing with people that are, are severe, that have got severe disabilities um, that, that can't move around and function. And so we're working in that space. And then our biggest project across Tasmania is working with the Richmond Group. And that's a group that houses people with mental health problems that, um, and, and not eligible for care in, in the hospital sector, but definitely can't have independent living in our marketplace. So we, we look after 58 properties across the state, um, complete break even on that. And that is assisting them in um, leasing a property. So having an official lease and understanding that, um, paying their rent, which they use centre pay for. So it's, it's helping to give them a rental history, which a lot of them have not got. Um, for, for whatever reason in their past. Um, and it's also, we do a lot of education with them about how to look after their properties. So, um, you know, cleanliness-wise or gardening and, and helping them helping them cope with independent living with the support of the program that they've got. So um, for us, they're really feel-good projects. There's zero cash in them for us, um, which... People go like, you just must be stupid to do that. Well, yeah, okay, from a business perspective, probably, but from an actual human ethical perspective, it's really important. And it's also really important for the diversity of our team, I believe, that 
that our team can deal with people from all walks of life. Um, it, it's just, it's, it, it's a really important thing. And if you've got the opportunity to do it, why not do it? It's not all about the bottom dollar at the end of the day. It's actually about being a good person, I think. That is so well said. You know, to me, the thing I find absolutely fascinating is that in talk that we've had so far, there are so many points of consistency in your business, right from, um, you know, you say we set this very high standard and as a consequence, our fee reflects that standard. There's the focus on the human side of things. I've heard you mention a couple of times the word, you know, being ethical. So putting the other stuff aside, let's just be ethical. You talk about your people and you care for your people. And then, and then it's backed up with the coaching and the patience you give them, the support you give them, that you make sure that they're kind of equipped in inverted commas to do the role before you throw all this work at them. Then you talk about your team and their desire to be business owners. So yeah, we'll support them at some point and work towards this. For anyone that's listening to this, this is how you do this stuff. This is what consistency looks like. And I'm absolutely not surprised that you've got all the glassware that you've got on the shelves because you know everyone says this stuff. And when you look at, well, what do you do that validates this claim? It is rarely kind of articulated in the way that you've just done. I applaud you. This is just remarkable. So Tamika, we're coming towards the end of our time with you today. Uh, I want to put one final question to you, which we asked everybody in sort of wrapping up our time with them, um, which is to think about what advice you would give yourself if you could go back in time, meet yourself on day one of your property management career with everything you've experienced since all that knowledge and wisdom and learning, what advice would you have for Tamika on day one in property management? Look, I, I've said this now for the last couple of years, really. It took me a long time to get to this point in my career. But my biggest piece of advice to anyone is, is you're not in competition with anyone but yourself. So I think the biggest mistake in our industry is we get a bit too ego-driven and we compare ourselves to so many others and it, it ends up failing you. Like, just compete with yourself every year try and do something better for yourself in your career and and whatever it is whatever journey you're on it it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing it actually matters what you're doing so stop stop competing with everyone else and just compete with yourself and and really you know self-love and self-improve and in 18 years time like I am now you, you should be here if that's what you want to be and if you don't want to do that then that's fine but but each year try and better yourself So if you'd like to learn more about the work Tamika does, head to key2.com.au. That's key and the number two. And all of the links and notes for today's show, you can find at colmio.com in the journal section. This is the final agency of change for the year. So we'll see you in 2022. It's been great having you with us. Bye for now. <laughs>